Hi, my name's uh, Ryan Hoiberg from Rimfire Resources. Welcome to uh, Ag Watchers uh, podcast. Um, Ryan Hoiberg, aka Chris. Um, pleasure to AKA, be back AKA. with Andrew and Matt. Any other sort of uh, little names that will pop up? I'm sure they will. I don't know, but I found I found it when you started in the intro there. I did like the really strong emphasis of Ryan. <laughs> this, this is Ryan. Uh, well, I've, I've stopped caring. That was that was that was another lifetime ago when you started making those mistakes. So I've stopped caring now. We should probably highlight, you know, why why we have a Hoiberg tangent because it's been a, a, a sort of a a recurring thing in most of our podcasts. And, you're probably uh, apart from black pudding and haggis. You're the probably third most mentioned thing on the podcast. <laughs> but it, and but all it, and all I did was dare dare to uh, critique your uh, <laughs> podcasting style during I think one of the first one of the lockdowns where I suggested I was an avid listener, but uh, Andrew needed to remove a few of his tangents because he was interrupting a lot of stories, and then Andrew took that personally and hasn't dropped it <laughs> since. <laughs> a Hoiberg tangent. Speaking of speaking of podcast styles. Um, <clears throat> Christian DePros has mentioned we should be doing a, a musical version of a podcast where yeah, we sing all we sing all the way through it. So maybe we could we could debut that today. If Dr. Uh, if you want to if you want to get banned from most countries, so happy <laughs> what, to give it a shot. What's the listenership just human <laughs> rights issues? <laughs> we, we like we got to let, let's let's get serious. We've got a serious mm. podcast ahead of us. We have. Uh, we have. We're, we're trying to we're trying to turn things around, make it more yep. serious. Yeah, we've got to be professional. Uh, so again, we've got to start off with what is it? What do we call it? Complaints and criticisms, comments, criticisms and whatnot. Um, which, which might be the most spicy sort of ones you've received for a while, wouldn't they? Uh, look, we don't have parliamentary privilege, so we, 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 we've got to be careful about what we say. Unlike other people from the Greens Party who do have parliamentary privilege, um, we got a bit of feedback from Murray Watt. We did. Uh, um, in front of the Senate estimates. Third party feedback. It wasn't direct feedback, but it was still... still... Oh, we, well, well, we heard them. I think... I'm we'll, gonna, still I'm gonna, we'll still I'm gonna, accept it. We'll still accept it. I'm going to paraphrase it. It was a compliment. Uh, so yep. I'll paraphrase it as... Uh, <laughs> These guys run, you know, the best podcast in Australian agriculture. It's very entertaining. <laughs> I've been on it before. Uh, I probably won't go back on again because it was too much stress uh, working in a in an uncontrolled environment. So that was that was good feedback. I, I, I am paraphrasing quite a lot. Uh, and the other feedback was, uh, I'm paraphrasing again, a pair of dodgy pricks, I think was uh, the comment. <laughs> but I guess that's what you can get away with in parliamentary privilege. <laughs> Murray uh, Watt didn't say that. Murray Watt didn't say no, that. No, that was Murray Watt. That was no. uh, another senator who, yeah, shall, yeah. who shall remain unnamed. Yeah. Until I've Sounds got a good. few beers. Uh, I was going to say, until, yeah, <laughs> until it comes out on Twitter at one point when you get angry. <laughs> until it comes out sort of very verbally over Christmas period when you when you start spicing off some people. <laughs> uh, but that's been the only comments uh, about the podcast this week. Oh, there was feedback. Uh, from David Johinke. Oh yes, uh, one of the one of the candidates, NFF candidates, yeah. who's now the NFF president, as we speak. Oh, has it been announced? It's been announced. No, it hasn't, oh, been, it hasn't been announced. But I do know, because uh, <laughs> I've been to know, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here as well. Uh, but he did say that he thought he got the votes because of the podcast. <laughs> Well, um, he was out. He was outstanding in his field. As he, he was as outstanding he in his field. Yeah, yeah. Righto. Um, let's actually get into it. 
But we don't we don't have to re- introduce you, Ryan. Who you are? You're a You've been on multiple times. Multiple serial times. offender. Terms, yeah, serial, serial offender. offender. <laughs> serial repeat offender. And it's nice to not have that in front of the courts this time. Um, um, <laughs> want me to, do you want me to say where I'm from? Oh, just be quick, though. I work for Rimfire Resources. We're a uh, HR and recruitment um, agribusiness. Been around for about 25 years. I've been with Rimfire for 12 years and one of our senior recruiters. Well, senior recruiters? Uh, alpha dogs. <laughs> um, but uh, see, being and based in Melbourne is probably the other bit I should have put there as a paraphrase. Mm. There we go. Six sense. Six sense. Don't escape the six sense. But you know, it has to but, be mixed but, up a but, bit. But it is going to be harder. Fantastic. Righto, Matt. Best movie of all time. Uh, I think I've, you've asked me that before. Remember the Titans. Is a fan, is oh, his really? personal favorite. Nah, go back. Another one. He doesn't get away with that one. All right, then. Um, what about worst sport in history? Basketball. Don't get it. Okay. Gosh, okay. I thought you were going to say cricket. That's what I was oh, aiming for. Exact opposite. Exact opposite. <laughs> worst. I'm going I'm to make it really hard. Worst nationality. In the world. Oh no, you can't. <laughs> now it depends on it depends on how spicy we really for, want to for, make for, this episode. Do we start in the Middle East or do we go oh. broad? Do we where which sort of uh continent do we want to get specific on? Uh I'll, I'll be I'll be generic. You can just say Americans. No. If no, I don't I, I haven't had too many bad experiences with Americans. I'll 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 have to play it neutral and backhand you to Antarcticans. Is that uh, is that a race? <laughs> And those those, 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 those damn penguins. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, correct. <laughs> I'll back end it that way. All right. Okay. What about um what about a serious one here with um the state of agricultural recruitment presently? It's boring, mate. Uh you're letting them away with it too easy. In, in, uh, slowing down in the sense from a recruitment perspective, um, still exceptionally difficult on uh historical terms. Worst state in Australia. <laughs> if you're going to give them easy ones, I'm going to give them ones. Territories and states or Territories states? and states, yeah. Um, or, or, and give you a bonus question. Go on. But it could be worse. It could be better. Uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll answer the current one and say, um, uh, uh, who do I know? That, we've got a head office in. I was going to say Northern Territory, but we've got a head office in Darwin. Um, uh, I'd say Sydney, Sydney, just from a Victorian perspective. Uh, uh, FYI, Sydney is actually oh, a city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he might he might be a recruiter, but he's not a geographer. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'll take Sydney. One. Sydney's not my favourite city in Australia either. I would think. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a. I've given, maybe, 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 I've given you a maybe, two for one. I've given you a two for one. That's good because the bonus question was, what is the worst city in Australia? Yeah, so, Melbourne, <laughs> Sydney rivalry on, on display there. You can put it down to that one. What about, um, what about what's the what's the worst current government policy? Well, this is a personal perspective. Um, I'm not a big fan of taxes. Just personal income tax, I think, is just, just absolute fraud. Just any sort of tax, uh, as a Victorian as well, payroll tax, anything that's come in to make businesses harder, 
Uh, I, I will probably be giving away a few bits here, but I, this is a genuine personal issue of mine. My other biggest issue in terms of how the country's run is freeway art. I don't understand why the hell we're paying taxes for governments to put up like artwork on freeways for you to drive past. What a typical there's enough, to, there's enough to look around in terms of paddocks, houses, why there is like, say, for example, on the Mornington Peninsula, down to Mornington, a fake hotel on that East Link Hotel does me every time. Like I, I just, there's you know, a you know, hotel that's just a piece of You know what Hoiberg's just created? What? He's gone from creating a Hoiberg tangent to the bloody Hoiberg rant. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> that's good. Hey, you've actually asked a bugbear. <laughs> it's like that one when you're getting out to Tullamarine to the airport. There's that kind of funny yellow oh, long. Yeah, yeah, there's a carrot. At the, it's called carrot and something. Um, there's like a, a yellow. There's a yellow sticks and then there's something else. And they're meant to look like carrot. Yeah, I don't get it. Right up. That gives me a next question then. What is your favourite form of artistic interpretation? Oh. Uh, <laughs> this again might be showing a philistine angle of mine. Um, I don't know how to name any. <laughs> like, um... okay, do you want a secondary question? Uh, look, you know, no, no, I'll answer that question. Um, in, in some people would see AFL football as aerial artistic. Um, so I would see, uh, you know, football in its end uh, sport as um, the most basic and natural piece of artwork between teams so, of individuals. So a- AFL. Or, or AFLW. Okay. So the human body. That's, that's a good way to put it. In, in short shorts. That's what. That's another way to put it. It's specifically mine. <laughs> and, and sleeveless. And sleeveless. sleeveless tops. Tops. <laughs> I think this 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 podcast could be coming and turning into one of our first counselling sessions. Yeah, it could be. It could be. You'd lie down on the couch, Doctor Hoiberg. We'll yeah. Where, what else you got on the, the chest? <laughs> I think that. Well, that was it. I think that was the six, wasn't it? That was six. Pretty yes. sure. That's it. Yeah. And, and short answers too. Yeah. And the f- and the first and the first time neither of us mentioned black pudding or haggis, but we've probably given you that one multiple times as yeah, well. Yeah, multiple times. We're actually going to take yeah. that. Was, we might take that with circulation for a while. So, what? Too, it's too predictable. Well, so, somebody walked past me. I said, "I'm not going to name names because I'm not like that." Oh yes. <laughs> so, so, somebody walked past me yesterday and shouted, "Are we having black pudding for lunch?" So, did you know them or was it just a just that they just, were just racially profiling you? just racially profiling I was wearing my kilt <laughs> that's fair it's Canberra when, it's Canberra so who knows what's coming through. going on once you go black pudding you never go back um, <laughs> right oh so we- I, I don't I don't want to say we just get you on when uh, when we've got to find a quick guest who we know is casual and easy to easy to go on with I did assume uh, on Monday when you called me going, you're recording in about 30 minutes and I needed to be available <laughs> immediately. So I was happy. I was fortunate not to have seen that call for a couple well, of hours. <laughs> we gave you, last time we gave you about five minutes notice. I think yeah, this correct. time you had at least a couple of days. So That's correct. You're getting plenty of time. Uh, but, it is, but it's true. You, you do have stuff out at Rimfire. We, we like data. Everyone, everyone yes. knows that we like data. We like black pudding and we like Crocs. We're pretty simple people. Uh, you guys had a report out. What was it again? Last week, wasn't it? Last week, State of the Industry uh, no, type of thing. Um, start of August. Start of August. Um, oh, it's, it's ancient. We've got another one coming out tomorrow, which is an end of quarter one. But, um, well, to be fair, I was off on leave when when it came out. So I uh, was half aware of it uh, as well. But it's a report which we put out annually 
um, called the Agribusiness HR Review. Um, gives a bit of a state of affairs of profiles across um, uh, obviously agribusinesses, but what how it's collated is we have a hundred. Oh, this year I think we had one hundred and sixty three. Um, agribusinesses submit both their payroll data and then also a, a set of answer a set of about 60 or 70 questions. So it's a bit of a census um, type style of questioning where they'll they'll offer information in terms of both processes and profiles. And obviously in the last three years, it's got really interesting based on tighter recruitment markets and tighter labor markets yeah, and what companies are doing to help. Last time we had you on, it was a pretty tight market. People yes. were struggling, struggling to get staff. Yes. Has, has anything changed, or what's 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 happening? Oh, def- no, definitely not. Look, we. Uh, I think there was. I was actually even at a conference on Friday that Oz uh, that that for Fair Farms um, that Ozveg and a few of the others were mostly around horticultural and um, a few other sort of industries, sort of specifically. But from so if you look, cards on the table, Remfire. We're not a labour um, uh, service provider, so we don't do any sort of. Temporary. Yeah, you're you're all you're all white collar. We do white collar, correct? So th- there's two different fields sort of in our space, which is both a harvesting on farm or production type workers, and then white collar workers. Um, so from our perspective, look, the market's probably slowing down in terms of job ads. That's very evident in our rural job indicator that we put out and we maintain. Um, it's it's not been as drastic as seek. Um, and um, if you're going off Seek's data, you'd probably be incorrect to look at how our industry is going, but it's now definitely caught up. Um, what do you reckon? What do you reckon is driving that trend of? So you're saying less of those white collar agricultural job adverts are now? Oh no, that's, that's across the board. So that's both production. That's a, okay. industry wide. So it's in right production right. and and white collar. But that's so not because it's not not because. Is it not? Yeah, is it not Mixture. because? Um, so, so I can give you the specifics. Um, so we, so basically Seek had, so if you looked at Seek, Seek put out their numbers every month on how many adverts are out, um, but also across um, each different sector. Seek had their job board, job numbers dive in February. Um, so they, so they, it's based on year on year. So what are you sort of looking at year on year versus also what's, what's out there um, month to month? So Seek in February dived and every month it's sort of gone lower and lower in terms of adverts that were on the year before, implying that the job market's slowing down. Um, so like, for example, in February, it dropped by about 17%. Um, so that's across the industries. That's probably around when you saw interest rates starting to sort of kick in and a few other things in terms of businesses starting to slow hiring practices. From an agribusiness perspective, we saw probably our biggest uh, a, a dip so, so to give you a comparison, in February, agribus- the uh, the rural job index went up by 10%. Um, so it still made it quite tough to, it was, obviously people were still advertising versus the rest of the market went down. Um, but then in June to July, we saw a 25% dip in numbers compared to the last year. So, so really when it's dived has been in the last quarter from an agribusiness perspective. So from July to September, um, that's when the adverts have dropped off um, from the year before. Um, but comparatively to 2019, so pre-COVID times, it's still well above um, what was happening in 2019. So that shows the job market's still tight. It's just not as tight as it was um, last year. What, what we could put that down to is a number of things. You guys talk a lot about your market updates in terms of um, you know, the different things that are happening in each industry. Um, that's often probably more impacting processing or operating yeah. type roles. Um, at a white collar perspective, the trends we often see is maybe um, businesses looking to um, not re- so a, a healthy hiring environment is if somebody leaves a job, um, you're replacing that job, but you're also putting on headcount. So if it's a new headcount, 
that often shows business growth, that shows mm. business strategy and a few things. Um, if it's a replacement job, that's still a healthy environment. It means you can capably bring somebody on. But if you're not replacing headcounts, that indicates um, you're looking tight in your belts. And, and you know, it's, it like, a, uh, it's like the, what you call the replacement value of like 1.8 for children. Yeah. The, okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, you got to, you have to replace, you have to have more than one to, to have growth. Okay. I don't know how that works, yeah. but yes. Yeah, well, yeah, one out, one out, one in type thing is no growth. Uh, one out, two in. Is Sorry, growth. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a productivity factor of births and deaths. Right. It's two point two. I think is a replacement value. You're really flexing something. your analytics. Um, there you something. go. There you go. With that, <laughs> I'm just doing that, my bit. With that trend, you said it like a trend, and no, you noted kind of a you know higher interest rates is one thing. I guess a higher cost environment if you look at inflationary pressures, but we're also potentially from an agricultural perspective heading towards drier times too right which has effects yeah. right so is is this trend this this trend previously when you see this kind of downturn in in job advertisements and and demonstrating that that it is contracting is is it is it more likely to be something to do with that move towards drier or is it more the tough economic environment i.e. interest rates you know rising costs um, tighter margins. Mixture both. of all. Mixture of all. Yeah, it's a mixture of all. Because if it technically tighter, so look, I, I've got a perspective that even if there was the economy, or say for example, COVID, our, our industry didn't slow down because of those impacts of the wider market. Interest rates definitely. If you're looking at, you know, doing a new build or or looking to sort of upgrade a facility. Um, that definitely would probably be slowing down any p- planned new recruitment. Um, what I think probably makes people pause in terms of recruiting or advertising a role is the seasonality perspective. So if you know you're coming into El Nino, um, look, for example, some of the grains guys that we work with, uh, we heard in June, July that they were already aware of what was, you know, their planning in terms of the upcoming harvest. So, you know, that's a long-term perspective and and that sort of job dip would probably align with with where that happens. But again... I think that probably happens where people might pause and sort of hold their breath and say, right, well, we might not. So, for example, now in October, um, old rule of thumb used to be, you know, not much happens between from a recruitment perspective between Melbourne Cup and Australia Day. Um, That went out the window in COVID era, but that was always our rule of thumb sort of circa 2015 to 19, um, mostly because either people were harvesting or middle of sort of operation or the senior leadership that would make the decisions were on holidays. So, you know, that I wouldn't be surprised if it comes back this year because of also the sort of the seasonality perspective. But um, that doesn't, imp- so that just means people aren't hiring as much. That doesn't mean that there's a, a lot of candidates out there. Um, have, having said that, what you often see with this sort of area is, and, and I think this is the interesting thing, so I can discuss what we've, we've found in terms of increasing salaries. Um, but the challenge that's now going to happen with uh, a higher payroll uh, candidates wanting more salaries or leaving for higher salaries, and that naturally brings up the company payroll amount, is going into a El Nino period, especially in the grain trading sector, for example, or the commodity trading sort of area. Um, that's the bit where they can take the opportunity to sort of look at headcount numbers or, or, or markets that they've gone into or areas they've delved into and maybe sort of either withdraw that or sort of refocus on their primary business. And and I already know of a couple that have done a few of those calls. Oh, tell us, um, tell us who, who, no, I, I which one, you, which uh, ones have we got to watch out for? As, which one? as, which, as which, per, which, our, as which, per which, our daily text, Andrew, I'll just tell you off. I'll tell you off line <laughs> of where, who to avoid when you're, where you're applying for to try to find another job. <laughs> uh, I did. I, did, I got, I got approached by a recruiting consultant. 
Yes. Is this a joke? Is that of a setup? No, that's not, I don't know. We're, 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 we're beyond the joke part of the podcast. Oh, we, we've got sorry. past the sixth sense. We're in a serious part now. <laughs> no, I, I got approached by a recruitment consultant. Mm. Uh, asked me if I'd be interested in leaving uh, episode three uh, to go and work for a company. I won't, I won't name the name of the organization. The, like, I heard you are unhappy. I heard you're unhappy with you. It was true. I was unhappy. <laughs> uh, wouldn't you be? If you had to work with you, Matt, they'll listen to a minute of this podcast and realize you weren't happy. <laughs> and then um, it was it was interesting because it it was uh, sort of they said that they were really struggling to fill the role. That wasn't why they. Oh, well, me. obviously, obviously. <laughs> 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 well, that's always a that's always an interesting. Device. I don't reckon I'd ever tell that to a candidate if I was headhunting them. Go, look, mate, I'm but, desperate. But, <laughs> any, but, chance you're, any chance you're interested in the chat? <laughs> help, help us, Obi One, Andrew, what? Like, you're you're early. Uh, I really, I really walked into that one, didn't I? Uh, that, I? I would like to say that was a really good setup from me uh, to get that, yeah. but it was just not. But but what it was interesting about it was, uh, she actually said, "Look, you fill all the requirements of it." Um, blah 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 blah, uh, but what she said was, she actually started off the. Co- she, I said, "Well, I'm always interested to talk to anyone, you know, to get away from Matt, like McDonald's." <laughs> to fill my day. Yesterday, yesterday, was engaging with some meth heads in Canberra having a brawl. Yeah. Oh, just don't, to, don't, just don't, to like, the just to end the phone call. I'm not going to even get into that one. Like, we can talk about that later, right? Um, uh, I had to nearly split up a fight between two meth heads at the tram. And this is a high bug tangent. I was going to say, you just said you're not going to get into it. You've just started the story. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if anyone was aware, because I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, I'm a gold level freestyle wrestler. Uh, and so I was going to split it up, but I just didn't have enough time to get my tights on. <laughs> just sit up for get a referee in there to help you sort of get someone to call it off. If it he didn't leave his mouth guard, didn't his mouth guard. Oh, would have helped. I didn't have my gum shoe on, I didn't have my, light, my leotard on, so I couldn't, I couldn't oil myself up. I had no olive oil. So, what was I gonna do anyway? So, then she says to me, right, and she goes through a list and she says, You gotta have this experience, this experience, and it was quite ultra specific, like mm. really specific. Mm. And I was looking at it and I was like, there's about two people in the country that have that skill set. And I was one of them. And then she said, are you interested? And I said, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've, I've got a business, so it's a bit different for me. Um, look, you know, if you pay me sort of well, then I'm see you later, Matt. Like, uh, I won't have to speak to him again. <laughs> but the next thing she said, which I found really funny, the pay's not very good. <laughs> and I said, well... You're not selling it to me, darling. Yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't say darling because I'm not a misogynist. Um, online. Online. <laughs> without, you, without you burner profiles. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, then she said that the salary was 150. Mm. But I said, well, actually, I think the salary is probably 230. Mm-hmm. And she said that every other candidate had said pretty much the same. It's 230. Mm. But I did say to her four years ago, even three years ago, it would have been 150. Mm. And I think it would have been a good wage at 150. Mm-hmm. But it's completely changed now. Mm-hmm. You know, and why am I why am I still on this podcast when I could have got 150 instead of working with Matt for 20 grand a year? So so to give you an insight there though, so the role of the consultant is to take a, 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 a experienced recruitment consultant should take that to the client and that client should not be offering that salary or be looking to go for a wider pool. So, so mm. that that's the feat. So that's what happens in this market is is our role is to gather that information, 
say, look, well, this is the profile of a candidate. They are looking for this salary branding. If you want that person, this is where the salary branding should be. And that's often what moves the salary mm. um, from an external hire, which is the issue of often having to hire externally is because if you've got an internal hire, it's a lot easier to retain talent, um, yeah. which is actually some information we've got later on, which is actually quite interesting about um, counter-offering. Um, so it actually shows the benefit of, you know, if you've got an experienced sort of consultant who can come in and go, right, from the get-go, if we're advertising this job, this is actually what the market is saying now. It's exactly the same. To, to be very um, general and to give you the same, same sort of information, it's exactly the same with a graduate. So if you're looking for a graduate employee, say, for example, coming out of an agribusiness degree at Melbourne or Sydney, um, you know, three or four years ago, say circa 2019, that we were putting candidates into roles who were stoked to getting 52K plus super or 48, sort of 48, 48 to 55 was our general bracket. There was a few sort of outliers there. With yeah, like but, the like, but if you go to federal government now, graduate role is 90. Well, the so government's paying those kind of wages. The graduate agronomist now would probably get 80 plus super plus car. So so that, that's the same. That's what I mean. Like, so everything has risen around it because, um, I mean, it's the same as if you look at any type of regional recruitment. The challenge that you've got from an agribusiness is you've got the mines, you've got the government, you got any other sort of infrastructure build. Um, so any of those sort of talented individuals locally, they're getting off. Like, it's not like saying, well, we're, we're based out here regionally, so we don't have to offer, we don't have to be as competitive as, say, the CBD. That's not the case anymore because there's such a lack of talent mm. across every industry. Well, what we've seen up until, what we've seen over the last two years is because there has been a lack of overseas and um, so, top-up So you're saying, you're saying there's a lack of talent in agriculture. Is that what you said? Uh, there's a lack are of you, talent, you, yeah, correct. So people in agriculture are not talented. Uh, I would say there's a lack of talent in terms of a candidate pool. There's a lack of talented podcasters. Hence why there's such a high number of them. People think they can do it. Everyone thinks they can do it these days. Um, you mentioned, you I, do, mentioned I want just... to add something new to the podcast, actually. We, we've, we've started taking on sponsors as of this podcast, Have which we? is new for us. Have so we? I was just going to run an advertisement. That's pretty good. Uh, the first advertisement of is actually from me. So I'm going to advertise myself out there on the open market. So if anyone's looking, I know it's a tight labor market as we've been hearing, but I just want to advertise myself as a talented market analyst. Um, available $65,000 a year, uh, plus phone, plus um, free coffees and teas. So you're seeking so, a pay. Co- so you're seeking a pay rise, a fifty percent pay rise. I thought you might be offering yourself as a, you know, doing a bit of an advertisement for Boundary Bend Olive Oil because you're now carrying that around everywhere you can to sort of break up I, wrestling matches. <laughs> I do, I do, right? And I, I haven't. I, I do have a side hustle that I'm thinking of. I spoke to you about this, Matt, didn't I? Did I say about this? My side hustle. Yeah. Um, you, you've got you, you've got lots of ideas for side hustles. I, I usually don't pay them much attention. <laughs> One is out the other. <laughs> My side hustle, and I think this is a fantastic side hustle. I think I'll make way more from this and have way more fun than being an analyst. I'm going to become a wedding celebrant, <laughs> right? Don't shake your head, right? In, uh, because wait till I finish the pitch. Yeah, right? I was going to say that's, yeah, that's you, yeah. You're going to be dressed in your wrestling gear. You're no, going to have no, no, no. What does everyone? What's what's in vogue at the moment? I've got to get in quick. Outlander. The TV show. Everyone fucking loves that TV show. And you've got all these Australians with Scottish surnames getting married and whatnot. I'm going to do a Scottish-themed wedding celebrant. Do it all in a kilt. I'm going to really put on my accent. We've brought together Grace and Brian for their wedding day. 
I'll get ChatGPT to write the vows. I'll go to one of the high schools and get some 15-year-old boy to be, play the bagpipes for $2 an hour. Shouldn't be advertising you just approaching kids at high schools <laughs> for weekend activities. <laughs> You'll get two and a half grand for each wedding, I reckon. It's a it's a really strong niche. Is this the reason, Matt, that you often pretend to be on mute or your <laughs> technology is not working? So hence yeah. when I logged on today, yeah. you were sort of sitting there going, oh, this is, sorry, it wasn't working for the last five minutes. That's so I can hear you now. Let's go. Exactly. Exactly. I have a lot of technological problems that I feign <laughs> just to um, just to not have to answer his questions. I just got a cramp that's in a, my leg as well. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a sign. Uh, you mentioned uh, before. But, but I've just actually, I just want to highlight, I have actually been holding a lot of hoi big tangents <laughs> In my pocket for this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. be a seven, it'd be a seven-hour. When, you, when yeah. you set up the podcast, you know how you set up the podcast for the, the whole day? He's going to go through all of his hands. <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned about the counteroffer a little so bit. That, so that should, that should be the next advert is uh, if you're looking to get married. <laughs> the, yes. the, the counteroffer with regards to, you know, you've gone, you, you, you've, you've handed resignation in. Uh, to go somewhere else is going to pay you more money and maybe a better job and better prospect, blah, blah. And then the company you've been with comes back with the counteroffer. How often does that actually work? In the long term. Well, so, for so well, yeah, I can give you probably a verbatim answer in the second. So, to give you data-based answer for the first. So, from our HR review that we've just done, um, what we found in the last 12 months is 31% uh, of employers from that 150, 160-odd, um, counter-offered employees for the first time last year. So so they brought that in last year as their first time that they've actually done that as a, a policy. Oh, but they the counter they offered a counter-offer, but, but how, how how frequently is that out of that, 30, say, 31 of the 150 or so that offered a counter-offer, how regularly does the... Yeah, look... Yeah, oh, the, employee, yeah. the employee says, yep, um, yeah, okay, I'm staying, I'm it. staying. Um, yeah. Well, so that would often be... So... so Twofold. So often that would be based around if you're offering salary. So so often that would be a, a salary is really the only counter offer that is really the ex, the workable option. Um, is there not any, any other sort of well in, intrinsic benefits? Well, the, the only other. So for example, the only thing that I could think of that might have occurred in the last two years is maybe work from home policies or, Flex, or something like that. Home. Flex where where you've left because you've said, hey, look, I, I'm no longer wanting to travel or no longer wanting to do this or, or I've been approached by this offer that's offering me this. Um, Counter-offering is different though to sort of saying, hey, look, I've been approached by a company and they are offering me this. Can I have that? That's not counter-offer. That's actually just, you know, employee engagement. Um, counter-offering is if somebody's got a contract and they've gone, right, well, I'm resigning and they've gone, great, can we pull you it's, in? Yeah, yeah formal, there's, a formal, there's a formal resignation there's a formal letting on in. That's exactly right. Uh, so, yeah, and, then, and then they've counter-offered. So in terms of how often it works, look, I, I don't have the data exactly on how often that would be accepted or not. What we find from that though is because it is salary-based, um, I would salary in the last couple of years, probably because the CPI has increased in terms of the reason people are with the roles, but it's often not the main driver. So the mm. main driver is often not salary based um, unless it's very much, but there's often cultural reasons or um, work progression or career sort of uh, concerns that are aligned and people use salary as an excuse. And they'll say, look, I'm not getting paid enough. Someone's going to pay me. Can, X can, I, can I ask over there. Can I ask another question? You mentioned a counter offer. Yeah. So, mm. Lydia, man, applies for a job, gets a job, has a contract, sends it to his current employer and says, look, I'm, I'm resigning. I've got a contract with company X. Mm -hmm. And the company Y says, the original company says, okay, we'll give you an extra 10 grand, yeah? Mm -hmm. 
Have you got any examples of a counter counter offer? Yeah, pl- plenty. Where, 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 um, they, where, where the com- he goes back to the company X and says, "Look, mate, thanks for the thanks for the offer, but I've been offered more at this company." Yeah, plenty. Um, and so, so-, so that wouldn't be an uncommon element where you would. So the conversation we would have is the middle party there is saying, "Well, look, Andrew's been counter offered. He's been offered ten grand more." Um, the company oh, might turn around then and go, so I've "Doubled hey, my wage again." So, so the company might turn around and go, "Right, well, what's it going to cost?" And you would, I would then go back to you, Andrew, and say, um, so there's two ways it could play out. One way is, right, well, if that's the way they're going to operate, we don't want to be associated with that type of style. Hmm. Let's park it, move on. Or, and what we've probably seen more often because of the tight candidate pool is people go, right, well, what's his number then? Um, and that might be, well, look, we'll match that um, 10 grand increase or 15 grand increase and um, you know, give you these elements to maybe sweeten the deal. So it, it's a risky play um, because you, there's it's a big element to sort of guess which way that's going to go. I, I would suggest if a, if a candidate's been counter-offered from our experience, um, first of all, from a recruiter's perspective, that's a very poor outcome because we should you, you should know the drivers of why somebody's leaving. If it's salary, then you know that's that's more of a general um, recruitment sort of problem rather than a consultant. But we, you should know what's going to drive someone to leave a role to be able to push those buttons to make sure what's matching is exactly what they want. Um, but from a counter offer perspective, if it is salary, what you would see is most people end up leaving in six months anyway because the the cultural issues, their manager. Um, what often happens then in a company is they might be annoyed because you've actually had to you know you've threatened to quit and you've announced all these grievances and you've then got to sit next to that person the next day anyway. So like there's a you know there's a lot of problem areas that arise with counter offering. However, this data that says that 31% of companies have tried it for the first time is a clear indication of what's happening with the talent pool. Is because can companies are realizing how much it costs um, to you know re- replace somebody to go through that search process, how long it's taking as well um, for someone not to be in that role. And and ultimately the other bit I'd say about that is. Um, what what's if but if you're an employee or from a, a third party recruiter perspective getting you to leave that role if they had that money available from the get go why would they have not done it so if there's two answers to that first of all they might not have been willing to um or they might not have been able to until that sort of um button's been pushed um or second of all they might not actually um afford to or they might have overreached by doing that and what you're actually going to see now going into a downturn is that's going to become a lot more problematic um, because you've suddenly offered or, or seen an increase in sort of in salaries and, and overall payrolls, um, and and that's the problem that arises is you might see say a production um, in, uh, decrease um, and all these other elements, but it's happening on farm. You got to remember the association that actually happens from a headcount with all of these agribusinesses. So, um, for example, on Friday this Fair Farms thing, Bernard Salt was going through what happened with the ABS with from the census. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask a question. If you've got, if you've got about four, so from his census data, I think it was about forty-six thousand people had returned a answer in two thousand and twenty-one saying they were in a agribusiness-related role, which is predominantly a farmer operator um, on farm. <laughs> However, you know that's not taken into account head office roles. So he wouldn't have interest. So if you're a marketer, uh, so if you're in say a marketing communications role at Nutrien. We would we would count you as an agribusiness employee. You mm. two would be agribusiness employees. No, um, versus no, in well, his data, that wouldn't have come through on the census. So I, I, I suggest I, what would that be right? Would we be considered agricultural? Okay. Would we not? Would we, would we not be considered? Tangent right now. 
So sorry. I'm just I'm what, just letting, I'm just letting you breathe for a second. Yes. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair So so what what you will find oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like feedback. Those... He just, he, see, he doesn't like I feedback. Said I said fair feedback. I said fair feedback. Yeah, but you look a bit so, angry. So what you'll find in the uh so for example in the meat processing's perspective or um say uh so, so that sort of space where they might sort of see a better margin at the moment from your information um that you're putting out they uh, that that margin might actually not be coming through in terms of new headcounts because they're actually catching up on what their payroll might have increased and all yep. these other elements that have costs that have incurred um, over having those sort of back office roles, which are not production based or commercially operated. But you know, these teams have communications. People have you know, chemical companies have social media consultants and all, all these other things that people don't see on farm but they are technically agribusiness. And, and all of those things are costs for those companies coming into a downturn. Mm, no, it's a, I, I'm just curious around that. Like you said, you, you were kind of careful not to, and you, maybe you don't have the data at hand as well, which is always a hard one, but I'm just even curious about, you know, if you had to, if you had to throw a dart board and just have a bit of a you don't, back you don't, of it. You don't, you don't throw a dart board, you throw a dart, oh, a you, dart you board. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's true. Um, if you if you're having just a back of an envelope, well, you can you, you can know, throw a dart. You can throw a dartboard. Like there's no. You could. You could. I was gonna say you're you Scottish. Could. Surely. You could. Surely you've it's seen a new, that. It's a new sport I'm inventing, Andrew, where you hold the dart right. and I take the dartboard. Look, look. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of new sports coming out. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll give that one a shot. Well, yep. well, we'll we'll see if we can do that tonight in Canberra. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Um, we need to go to someone who's got darts. Um, there is a place. I oh, know it's in WA that had the dart place. Wasn't it? We were at the place of the dartboards. Yeah, we went there. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that was terrible. Um, the uh, worst, the worst, worst cocktails ever. Yeah, we, um, but just I was wondering, given your level of experience in the sector, Doctor Hoiberg, um, what if you had to put a figure of a this this amount of time percentage wise, it kind of works where the person stays. Oh. Would it be would it be high? I'd say, or, it's, I'd yeah. say it's under five percent. Yeah, um, long, long, long term. Um, I'd say counter offers that are accepted probably are maybe. Five percent odds, um, like to the point of say I've recruited from five for eight years, all in the agri sector. I can think of maybe two. Um, hmm. That's because we're not, not, yeah, we're not busy. Yeah. But, <laughs> not, but it's not. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's not a really. You wouldn't call it a successful strategy. And then even like you said before, of those say less than five percent, that might hang around within six months. They're possibly gone anyway, right? Yeah. Or, or look, I mean, to be fair, it might actually work a little bit more strategically recently because of the increasing costs and also the work from home elements that might have triggered things for businesses to say, right, well, we do need a change. Um, you know, work from home has been probably a very much a Melbourne, Sydney, you know, a, a, a capital sort of city um, solution in the last couple of years, but um with that sort of trend, sort of people trying to bring people back to the office, that's also been an ongoing. Comp- like we that would be probably the second or third question we get about jobs um, is what's the work from home solution um, uh, for for that. The challenge with a lot of businesses are is if they have a farming or a manufacturing environment, they can't offer that to a certain percentage of their workforce, so mm. they're very hesitant to provide that as a permanent solution because you're essentially um you know you're offering different solutions to different sort of sides of your business which um that might some companies are getting better at working at a middle point of that but that, that's a that's a real problem but that but going back to what i probably should have touched on earlier is salaries because obviously from a payroll perspective so from that data that we got um from all those hr businesses we found that not so 94 percent of businesses across that 160 have increased um, their salaries um, across the board. 
So um, an average across every single role. So we have about 200,000 roles in our salary survey at the moment, which I don't know what that equates for for the agri-sector in Australia, but it will be a fairly high level, um, Hmm. I would have thought. Um, So across every single role, the average increase is 4.7%. Um, and, uh, so below, so below inflation. Correct. Yep. Mm. Correct. Um, and that, that's just in the last 12 months. And then, mm-hmm. um, 75% of those increases were unplanned, meaning people have the companies either sat down with their staff and gone, right, well, we're doing an out of cycle salary review, or we've, we've heard this from the business. We want to keep out. And a lot of that would be a retention strategy. Um, and the other bit that's probably interesting was in J- June, when all this data was collected, um, 98% of businesses indicated that they were planning on doing that again in the next cycle. Um, so whether that comes to fruition or not, that's probably an interesting thing for review. We did predict as part of that, we often put out sort of predictions for what will happen. Um, we predicted that beyond that original increase, this first quarter um, would see an additional increase across a number of those roles because there's a lot of that data that catches up and um, we're releasing information next week to our um, clients that will show, especially in the logistics and the commodities sector, that's gone up by about 6% again. Um, so there's a lot of businesses that are looking to, especially, and commodities make sense because you're coming into harvest, especially in logistics as well. You're looking to retain those staff um, and probably keep them happy. Um, and often what you find is uh, start of July is when a lot of salary salary reviews are done because it's based on financial year. So there, there's obviously what this information is showing is there's a number of businesses that have increased their payroll. Um, a number of businesses have struggled to, to find work. Um, most of them still plan on increasing that and increasing their sort of salary perspective. And also um, bonus percentages were pretty interesting. There's a lot of discretionary bonuses um, so it's something like 75, 72.4, sorry, percent of staff across all those businesses received a form of discretionary bonus, um, implying that it was a very good year across most of those businesses. Um, and um, not, not, not for podcasters, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, you, can, you can add that to your report. And, and there's the other interesting trend, which probably is not as much interesting for you guys, but from my perspective is there's an interesting increase in terms of exit interviews being done by care employees and an increase in internal HR um, staff. So there's now 72% of businesses have a dedicated HR resource, which is an increase from previous data. Will that be, um, will, will that sometimes be a consultant though as well? No, this is in-house. In-house. in-house okay. yeah, in-house yeah, resource. That was one thing I like, you know, the, I've had a fair few different careers and jobs in the past and I can't recall any time I had an exit interview. Um, is well, so it, is to give you common, that information, is it so a 90, common practice? Like, so not, or, well, I'll tell you how common. 92.4% um, contacted exit interviews this year, um, right. up from last year, which was 843 So 10% of businesses have increased. Matt, Matt, we'll do yours next week. It's okay. Yeah, that's still that's still <laughs> higher than what I would have anticipated. I would have thought I've never, get... I've, I think I've done – I haven't done what I consider to be a – exit interview i've done a sort of a handover yeah, you, know, no, you, know, you know you know you know like you know it's like you if you're working for a grain company or whatever you're you hand your notice and you're out the door um, and yeah. oh that's separate 
So there's different. And, that's a different angle. Yeah. So I've, I've had to sort of like sit down and then go through all the clients or whatever else. Yeah. But I've never had like what was working, what wasn't working, whatever else. So I should say that data of 92.4 is across businesses that have done it versus mm. individual roles. So, so yeah. businesses might not be doing it. So for example, if you're doing a trader or a sale or a commercial role, often you are putting them on the road because you that you don't want to yeah, them to have any access to commercial yeah. data um, versus if you're doing it with like a CFO or a, you know, somebody that might have made a complaint, you're probably doing an exit interview and that would count in this data. Yeah. The, right, the so other one too, from your <clears throat> interest is sorry to cut you off, Andrew, but I figured I'd, that was probably going to be a side story. It was a pertinent <laughs> one. Um, so what we also found was, so in 2022, 22% of businesses looked overseas to fill um, roles. Okay. That was very similar to the question I was about to ask. Oh, there you go. So now, so this year in the recent data, that's gone up to 35.2. Um, and from a hardest to fill jobs, technical roles, um, which has been the same for a while. So technical roles like farm manager and um, agronomist have been the hardest to fill roles um, across all that reported information. So I was, actually the, going to, I was actually going to ask a sort of similar question. Uh, Abears put out a snapshot of agriculture the other day, and it, it talks about, you know, I think we're getting a bit more diverse in agriculture, more women, more Indigenous, more uh, culturally and linguistically diverse, such as myself. Um, do you think that's, is that a sign that the industry is trying to specifically become more diverse, or is it a fact that, the labor market's so tight, they've got no choice but to accept. Well, so to give you a side answer before I give you the full answer, interestingly enough, on this data, we also measure diversity and intentions to address diversity and um, measurements of diversity within those companies. So currently, from those 160-odd companies, 47% are measuring diversity okay. um, and 48% plan to address diversity in their hiring practices. So to give you an answer, like physically, that's the HR companies telling you that, you know, one in two will probably look at, look at addressing diversity in the hiring practices. That means they look to address it. That doesn't mean they're specifically driven by it. Mm. Um, there's a lot more sort of roles that we would do, say, for example, government agencies or some um, RDCs, for example, that might have previous. Or, or actually, to be fair, some multinationals have also asked us, when we do shortlist to present a diverse option. So they have to have, they won't accept a shortlist from us. If from say three candidates, there isn't a, um, uh, there has to be different gender options. There has to be even different backgrounds and, or, and that has to, or, or if we can't address that, um, they, that has to be shown that we have approached or engaged candidates at a diverse level. That would be a diverse hiring practice, which to be fair is, not necessarily indicating who's going to get the job, but it means that there is a diverse option provided as part of a comparison point. So, so there is a... So, so, so how many Scottish people have you placed? Absolutely zero. And I've interviewed one and it went for about three hours and it was horrible. Who was that? Was it, it wasn't me, was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> was it? Yes, you, it was. Ne- you never interviewed me, have you? Do you want to have this on, on, online or I offline? I can't remember having an interview. He's forgotten. He was drunk. Yeah, I was going to say, you wouldn't have remembered. I was going to say, that aligns with your performance in the interview. <laughs> um, it, it, when you that when you say diverse, these because historically diverse would just mean you've got to have women in, involved and included, right, which is was the obvious one. But diversity now means more than just that, right? It, yeah, it is, so it like is, multicultural. Yeah, for example, so um, indigenous, um, uh, indigenous um, sexuality is obviously not one because you can't ask those questions and you don't cater for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's mostly indigenous um, or 
um, or, or gender. Again, or, 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 or what migrant background potentially? Or no, 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 that, no, that no? wouldn't be seen as a um, no. That's not a filler at all. That that's okay. Um, accent. Accent. No. So even then, it would be. Um, so companies don't. The other interesting thing that often people. So we do this as part of a lot of our resume writing courses with, say, like students. So we do. We travel around to all the universities that do ag stuff, and we will provide information around how to write resumes and LinkedIn. Um, there's a lot of actual policies that companies have now got to actually protect them from gender, from diversity um, claims. So, for example, if you submit a CV with your photo on it, a lot of corporate companies won't actually accept that as a um, application. Because just, that just, I'll tell you a story within a second. But go on. Well, because you're technically telling them what you're, um, you're, you're allowing them to provide a bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's a lot of companies that use so all of the larger corporates, which you know are the household names in the agri sector. Their HR teams will either have AI software or software that might sort of, so if you're applying to them directly, that will filter out a lot of these things to almost protect them. Um, but also there's a lot of steps that are made by, from recruiting practices at a, um, you know, at a, a white collar perspective that um, are adapted from the more broader recruiting market that have been brought into ag that probably a lot of people aren't aware of. And, and that's a really obvious one is is photos because it allows teams to be able to provide a gender bias. A, a bi- so that's, that's interesting because like if you go to Glasgow or Belfast, uh, in the past, you never used to put your school down. Oh, because of your, that shows what your are you, uh, religion is. Are, you, are, yeah, are yep. you a Protestant or Catholic? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so if you went to St. Joseph's, it would be pretty, pretty clear uh, where you... Oh, see, so it's an issue. Well, it's an issue one. So, for example, if you go out to a lot of the school, like, so for Marcus, we I do this every semester at Marcus, where you know there'll be two or three blokes that have put their photo of them sort of on a horse or on a, a motorbike somewhere, and they go, "Well, that surely helps because it shows that I'm indicating I enjoy rural life, I enjoy sort of you know being on property." And it's not. That, it's not. Probably, you say it's not Tinder. It's not Tinder, mate. Well, that actually is a that is a part of what we talk about, um, and also LinkedIn isn't Tinder, um, <laughs> despite what Andrew does. Um, so it's one of those ones where you do have to be careful around what you're providing, which people think is an asset, but it's actually being used to, um, you know, reduce risk by companies from a hiring practice. Like it's a, it's a, um, it's not only at a board level where obviously there's that percentage of boards that now have to have a diverse number across those areas that it's across all type of recruitment. Hmm. How frequent, how frequent a policy is it? For look screening candidates that you jump on social media and have a look at their private account stuff. So, so like, you might be joking, but um, no, I'm not. I'm being serious. There's search systems. For someone, search, someone search. that's been recently accused of putting up tweets that are, you know, somehow considered to be not correct. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, uh, so it, it's so that's a, it's actually a, it's an ass, it's a massive area. Um, from a rec- I've learned the hard way that it's really important to do background searches on anyone we're dealing with. So, so for example. Um, I've, I mentioned before the Friday. Tell, tell, tell me the, the most. Tell me the most interesting result you've had from a background search. Um, an AB. So not even a background search. I once googled a bloke, and the seven thirty report came up about him being investigated by um, the federal police for mishandling um, employees on an orchard. Um, came up to sort of, and I was hiring him for a farm manager. I was doing a farm manager role for a corporate. Um, this is probably five or six years ago, but it's there's there's a lot of there's and there's also a couple of traders. Andrew, this is one that you'd be know about. There's some traders that come about that. Uh, <laughs> I think I've had this one. There's oh, there's a number of ones from the grains perspective, but there's also you know meat and fr- fruits a big one in terms of horticultural traders. Um, that, that if you go like there's 
it's a bit of a second practice now for, I mean, to be fair in our space now, if you've been around for a while, most names pop up. So you know who most names are and there's a bit of a gut feel around, you know, what you can do from references. But if you, especially if you're a graduate or a candidate coming into the market, there's um, very simple background searches that you, are, we do. Ref- but most companies do that. Like, especially from a candidate perspective, if you're checking someone's Facebook, You've so the, the thinking is if so, for example, if you're at Nutrient or Elders and you're hiring for a merch manager or a, a someone to come in and work in your store locally, and say you go work in Warnables, Nutrients, I don't know if there's whatever's down in sort of regionally, you've got to assume that that customer is probably at some point also if somebody has an interaction with that person in store, they might do the same search. So the risk element is actually being across what you're actually bringing into the business to then almost protect yourself long term around. Um, that, that that probably was a practice that was probably a lot more um, restrictive from recruitment hires post-COVID, pre-COVID, sorry. Post-COVID, you probably seen people waive that just to get a body in. Um, but that, that's definitely a practice most people do, do is, do, is do, that background search. Like references, yeah? Mm-hmm. Is there any point in references? Um, actually had a can- oh, we had a client give us some feedback about this a uh, week or so ago where from their perspective, they don't love reference. So I'll... I'll, I'll Yes and no. So there's some references where you will call up and say, "Look, do you what do you what do you reckon? You know, you've worked with someone, so what do you reckon?" And odds on, they're probably going to um, be fairly open if you've got a relationship there. But you then also don't get much around who you're getting. It's more of a yes no versus references can be very good. I mean, naturally, if you're providing a referee, you're probably going to be providing someone that's giving you a good good image hmm. or a good sort of story. But that doesn't imply what you can ask the reference has to be mint. Like we will do reference checks that go for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I, and I, a lot did, of- I did one. I've done a couple for referring for people asking me to be a referee. There you go. I reckon you might have done one for someone we put for it. I actually have. I've, I've done one or two. For you guys, and I, I didn't remember, do it because it, I didn't. I wanted to wrap up the conversation. I had other things to do that. I day. think. It, I think it lasted. I think it lasted an hour. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I reckon I know. And, 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 and she asked me if I was be interested in the job. Because I think one of the questions you yeah, get, get going on probably about oh this is a good one. <laughs> no, no, she, no she, she said to me, "Do you think uh, such and such is the best candidate for the job?" Oh, here we go. I've read this, and I said to him, "No, nah, he's not the best for the job." <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, right, oh, oh," and I said, "I'd be much better at that job than him." <laughs> and then she said, "Are you interested?" I said, no, not really, but I'm just saying he's the second best, so you might as well go with him. So so that's a perfect example of... The, the, the best available. So, so I also think it's good practice. So this is the issue. A lot of people got issues with recruitment companies and labor hire companies for, for very good reasons. A very good example of ethically recruiting is we have a team that would do that as independent from even us. So if I'm, as the consultant, probably orientated towards, I've presented you, Andrew, I'm representing you, I probably want you to get the job. We have a team that do those reference checks because they will ask a list of questions which we've already um, agreed on and they know how to sort of, you know, ask broader questions to get the information we want, but they don't have a dog in the fight. Um, so so their their role is to get that reference done. So they will give, we, we often get negative or and we often get, so the, the questions you'll often ask are not necessarily um, strengths and weaknesses, but it's, you know, development points and you get some really interesting information. So companies will still get references done but we can then provide them, right, well, this is what they can continue to develop on. So you're not necessarily, well, I, I haven't had someone in a while not get a job because of a reference, but we've had really good feedback recently from clients around, well, th- when they've joined, that we've known what to do with them almost, or we've but, known what their weakness is. I've, um, with that, ref- I've always found it curious because you do, you would expect that 
when you go to call a reference, you're going to get a glowing report because the person's offered that that one, right? But I've I've actually given refer, given references on behalf of people that have asked me that I wouldn't say like they're honest re- references, right? So there are aspects where I would have to be you know, honest and say these are the areas that they do struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which which I was surprised that I got asked to give the reference from those people, right? Because because you know. And that, and then I've also been on panels for selection where I've had to call people for references and got back exactly like some have been quite negative references, like the whole reference, right? And I was quite surprised that that you know some people would actually offer forward. You know, well, it depends on their- how when you say offer, because often candidates are you, you, we will specifically sometimes ask for references from a certain employer or a certain perspective. So, you know, there's a difference between offering in terms of I submit a resume and I've got three references. That's who I want to use versus mm. I will. we will often say to a client, right, well, which role is most relevant? And we will then go find someone from that role. And and that that is a tough conversation to have with candidates because they feel like it's, but there's, that's you're representing the client. So the point is you're meant to find out that, that sort of, um, you know, the point is due diligence. Um, mm. and, and so a lot of that is actually to find out the tougher pieces, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get hired. Um, and 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 I would have thought also from a candidate's perspective is, you know, there is still a bit where you can always sort of, you know, word up someone and you're right, Matt. Like it's often a bit where, hence why our conversations go for a while. If you're getting a reference that's been done in two to three minutes, that's very easy for someone to say, yep, they're great. Yep, they're great. Get off the phone. Versus if you're sitting there for 15 to 20 minutes, you're often getting someone's getting their guard down. And, and we will slide in the, the questions more about development near the end. Um, because you're then getting someone's guard down. They're having a chat with you. They're probably feeling like they're giving you a lot of information. And um, that that's the point of due diligence. I mean, that's that's where a lot of companies sort of drop the ball. I think that they, they've, it's the same sometimes even around when people sort of send contracts or they'll, they'll, they'll do the interviews, then there'll be a delay in coming back to people. Like that's, that's the process that you need to be able to manage. Um, because if you're a candidate, you've got to be aware of what's happening. And also from a client, you've got to have a due diligence steps. Otherwise, you it's, just it's, you, it's, if you rush or you do anything wrong, that's where it, mistakes it, happen. I, look, I've had that in the past where I've applied for a job. This is years and years ago. And I didn't hear back. And then two months later, maybe even three months later, got an email saying, we'd like to offer you the job. And I'm like, yeah, no, no chance, mate. Like it's Yeah, that's wild. Three months, yeah? That's wild. And But I guess in the current climate, they've got to be Johnny on the spot. Um, yeah, yes and no. Con- I mean, you can't, also, you, can't, you, you can't wait two months if you, or or, or if you are, communicate that yeah. and let the can and let the candidate know that that's what the process is going to be. So, so that might be for a reason. Like it might be, and and there's very good reason. Like so, for example, we've done a bit of workup, sort of in um uh the uh, the sort of the Riverland Mildura reason, and with all the be- the the, the uh, Viramite sort of issues that have arisen, companies will not prioritize recruitment because they've got to prioritize literally farming like there, there is a yeah. problem that arises but all you need to do is send a text or send a text going or a, a conversation going look there's nothing wrong with this but but again that's about the uh, to me that's a poor recruitment process because it should be clearly communicated going look we're not going to come back to you for three months two or three weeks but do you accept that so there's one of those ones where if you're engaged i think that's a poor form to not come back with no information but there's people just want information a lot of times is the um the report you mentioned the report a few times is that a public document or is that is it only for clients or like uh, yeah so, so you can pay for it so the public document to be paid for if you want to buy the report from a hr perspective it's a we've got all that key findings on our web linkedin i think um that i actively share 
Um, and we we share that with all our clients as part of any recruitment practice. You know, you we're doing you recruitment. Don't, you don't even need to buy it now. You can just listen to this podcast. Let's. <laughs> oh, hey, look, exclusives are exclusives. That's what I bring to you, boys. Um, because and, this, this, because this is pretty good farms advice, I think, for people. Well, I, I think also the interesting one is you know farms advice from a uh, a, a um uh, sorry <laughs> I've just seen you both giggling and realised what's uh, going on um. I think it's an interesting insight into what you need to be prepared to do if you're recruiting. So we're assuming everyone's got labor hire issues or, or recruitment issues. That doesn't imply everyone's been recruiting. Like we're recruiting for a company in um, a state at the moment that one of my colleagues is doing. They haven't recruited for four years. So their salaries are, that they're looking at are yeah. four years old. So, so you've got to so have a lot of this data looking. to be able to actually say, right, well, this is what the market's telling you. It's not actually a recruiter coming in and saying, hey, you know, your to your example, Matt, before you're seventy grand off. It's actually coming in and going right. Well, this is what the data is telling you. So if we're going to the market, it's not necessarily a this is verbatim. This is literally what's you know what what has been submitted by payroll information. It's it's information that you need, and most importantly, it's recent information. It's not sort of articles that are four or five years old or or that's information the, and you're and getting. That's, off. that's the thing. Like these organisations, they need to understand like the value of the price of all the humans of agriculture. It's a very price is a good point, but also you know what what's driving people to be able to um, join businesses to take take jobs, um, but also if you're you know looking to buy businesses or or or, or mm. wanting to get rid of people as well, what the actual costs and the process is. Mm. It's a really interesting conversation because you can't, you know, you, when you're talking about people, you kind of have like a it's not a commodity conversation; it's about people. Hey, and but but look uh, to to counterpoint what you've just said. I would actually suggest what we do is very similar to the commodity market, where you can't just make it up. Mm-hmm. People aren't just dropping off. You know, they're not coming out of nowhere. You've got to be able to find them, and that's the issue. When, and that's the, that's the irony of you sit down with people from a recruitment perspective and say they're like, "Well, why can't we find options?" You go, "Well, to your perspective, Andrew, we've given you a, you've given us a profile where we know there's two people that do this job. So you know what you've got to be able to find is." Um, process to do it it's the same as if you're looking for a farm manager this this it's not the same as sort of just looking for a trader or a, a big role it's the same as on farm like if you're grow well, i was talking to a garlic grower the other day um on friday at this thing and you know she was saying they can't find stuff near the gold coast i was like well if, if and she, but her point was around you know lo- using labor providers she was like well if i i'm a privately owned business how am i meant to find a non-dodgy labor hire if the corporates can't find labor hires that are non-dodgy like it's it's a mm. problem that sort of arises everywhere and her issue was not being able to find a farm manager. And the problem is everybody's growing, especially in that area. If you're looking for a role, you'd go work in the cotton industry mm. because the next two years for the cotton is going to be absolutely bananas. So, you know, they've got good crops coming through and probably- So, so cotton growers are going to be bananas yeah, as well? Bananas. Correct. So like, so, you know, so they've, so got, so they've, they've got- switch, a, They're switched to bananas now. But, but that's the issue. If you're hiring a farm manager, the cotton, like that's where people will try to poke and um, prod people out of is all these different industries where irrigation. Um, but so if you're only looking for garlic rolls, you're never going to find someone versus you've got to be more strategic around who can you find to fill these jobs. Can't, you can't put vampires in there. Can't put vampires into garlic. And also, well, the other issue too is the, the palm, the, is it palm? The palm program just isn't bringing enough workers over no. for a lot of these things too. So like there's companies. Who... Have you, on that, on that garlic job, have you considered going to France? I haven't done, I'm not, I didn't take the job on. No. We only take on jobs we can fill, mate. No, I thought that one was a bit, uh, that was a bit tough. It's a salient input you make though about some of those dodgy operators because there are some businesses out there that are, you know, 
a bit dodgier than others, so you've got to be careful doing your due diligence. Um, we might leave it there. We, we've covered off on a lot of the ducks on this pond, I think, Andrew. So um, oh, I have. Um, um, it's almost like it's, it's good because it's been – it feels like, you know, we're part of the country hour. It's been now country hour in 50 minutes. Yep. So we might we might call there. Thanks again, Dr. Chris Ryan Hoyberg, for your insights. Pleasure as uh, always, gentlemen. Always. And, and whilst we have been a bit jovial on this podcast – um, it has had some very serious content. It's it's good tester always in this environment too because it's one of those ones you got to remember that it is a visual thing sometimes. So if you're listening in once you've been on it, you can understand what's happening when you can hear giggling or something going on because you two, when I'm trying to give a serious answer and you're both sort of pissing yourself laughter on the screen, you appreciate the only stitch up is going to be on me. <laughs> and so hearing other guests go through that sometimes and they squiggle and they work going, you can almost appreciate what's happening in the I think, I think the funniest thing is when people come on a podcast who maybe haven't listened to it yeah 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 and and uh, and they sort of they don't realize that it is completely unscripted and or, or, or even I'm imagining if they're expecting you to give them an actual outline of what's going to happen assuming that you know what's going to happen <laughs> But it, but it's just a natural conversation. Like you don't go to the pub and have a conversation with an agenda, or maybe maybe you do. I was going to say, Andrew, we have been in pubs before having conversations with people, and they did have an agenda. Yeah, I was going to say, it. I reckon yeah. there's a few people with some big grudges that might actually disagree. <laughs> um, anyway, great to have you on again. Um, you answered those questions well. I don't think you'll get cancelled just yet. Uh, again. Uh, we'll finish off the podcast with if anyone's looking for a wedding celebrant um, with a Scottish theme, uh, contact me on the usual address and then uh, we'll go from there. That's it. Thanks, uh, Dr. Holberg. See you when you've got nothing on. Bye-bye.